You are listening to iFanboys Talk Explode with Joe Caramagna. He's a fan figure of a man in handsome too. With his eyes upon the secret places he liked to work Still he knows, he knows who and where. This is Josh Flanagan with iFanboy, and this is our Talksplode episode, and I'm here with Joe. I just realized I wanted to pronounce the G, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to. Car- You're not, definitely not supposed to. I didn't yeah, think so. you did it. Yeah. I, I think it's, I knew that. It's like lasagna. Yeah. I, I think I knew it, but as soon as I started to say it with you actually listening to me, I went, oh, God, are you going to screw this up? <laughs> you know, Josh, every single interview starts out this way. <laughs> yeah, I figure. Where, where I tell you my instant, like, the thing I'm worried about. That's my. That's no my one style. knows how to say my name, and they're like, um, "I I thought I had it right, but let me well, just check with you." It's that okay. is the thing that comic book podcasting has brought to light: is that f- I see your name written every day and every week in comics, and then the second I go to say it out loud, wait, no one knows how to say this for sure. <laughs> no one's sure. Um, now we have to say them regularly, so we start to get it. But it was my idea that, like, before there was comic book podcasting, nobody really knew how to say anybody's names outside of the industry. Sure. That's a, that's... I still don't know how to say half the people's names. <laughs> well, it's a and very global if community. If you say my name, you, you want to say Caramagna. Yeah. Like, it looks so natural. but yeah, It doesn't that's... sound right coming off the tongue. No. No. No, but in your head when you see it, yeah. like, yeah, even I do it. Yeah. It's my own name. <laughs> like I want to say, Car- when I read it, I want to say Caramagna. Do you think that has to do with your intimate relationship with the letters of it? <laughs> Maybe. So uh, uh, now, as we were saying, you know, I've I've seen your name in a lot of comic books over over the years, and uh, like, where, where did where did you come from? How did you get involved in in all of this? Oh boy, you mean um, comics? My in I, comics or yeah? Or well, you know what I was noticing. I was looking. Uh, I I was looking on your comic book DP DB bleh, DB page, and uh, you know you've got credits under every possible thing. I I know you as a letterer <laughs> and a writer, but I've seen inker, I've seen artist, I've seen covers, I've seen all those things. So it's safe to assume you come from an art background. I definitely do. Yes, I'm actually an alumnus of the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Art. In beautiful downtown Dover, New Jersey. <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> but um, Dover, I, I guess it's fine. I've only seen parts of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I am a graduate of the Kubert School. So yeah, my first love was was uh, comic book art. Um, actually, no, I'm, I'm probably lying. I, I definitely liked to write stories when I was younger. Um, but I definitely wanted to be an artist. Um, you know, when when uh, dreaming of what to be when you grow up, mm-hmm. that was what I wanted to be. And so was yeah, that I your have... your main like? Was that the main goal you had like when you were a kid and a teenager? And then you, did you go to uh, the Cupid School right after that? Yeah, basically, I, as soon as I found out that uh, there was such a thing as a cartoonist, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much what I wanted to do. You know how you just you see comics and you see. Uh, comic strips and you, you know you enjoy them but you don't really think like hey there's a guy that makes these um, yeah you know like mort walker you know like that's a guy who <laughs> makes a living doing this and uh as soon as i came to that realization that's 
pretty much what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, obviously, it didn't turn out that way. But yeah, that was the first goal. And like, who were your, you know, like, who who were the people that you saw that that sort of the first names that you sort of became aware of when you're like, oh, that's that's a comic book artist, and that's something that that I aspire to. The one I remember, I'm sure I was aware of, like sure. I said, Mort Walker and Charles Schultz, of course. Was it more cartoonist than uh, comic book guys? Uh, when I was very young, yeah, right. because I didn't really know that comics were a thing. Uh, like monthly comics I'm mm -hmm. talking about. I had seen um, my parents have old high school friends that I kind of grew up with. You know, when you have a close family friend, you call them aunt and uncle, yep. but they're not really your aunt and your uncle. We had that. And uh, my quote unquote cousin, their son, um, had a bunch of comics at, at his house, uh, but they weren't like they weren't monthly comics. They were like hardcovers. He had really? it was like a Batman treasury. I want to say that it was called something like that. It was similar to, do you remember like the greatest Batman stories ever told? Like yeah, those absolutely. trades. That, I th like think the greatest Joker stories ever told was, if not my first like trade, you know, graphic novel, it was, it was pretty soon after. Yeah. Same here. I have both of those. I still have them on my shelf yep. right here. I can see them. Uh, it was a book kind of like that. And I had known Batman from Batman 66. I would watch it after school every day. Mm -hmm. Um, in syndication. I'm not that old, Josh. <laughs> and um, I also watched it in syndication. <laughs> so when I saw this book, I was just like, I was mesmerized by it because I had never seen, I'd seen comic strips. I'd never seen like a comic like that. And, uh, so I kind of had an interest in that. I didn't know really what it was. I just, in my head, I guess I thought of them as longer comic strips um, but then I really remember noticing Todd McFarlane and that was like the first name in comics that mm -hmm. I kind of like, not that I had ever heard of, but where I could see art and I knew exactly where it came from. I, I, have, I have exactly the same experience with Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Same, 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 same. <laughs> I'm guessing about the same time, same name, you know, like, Oh, this looks, it just stood out to me. Oh, this is, this is recognizable this is interesting this is different exactly recognizable because you could just look at any piece of todd's art and you're like wow that's mcfarland and that really hooked me in terms of comic books like before i just wanted to be a cartoonist i just wanted to draw and get paid for it mm -hmm. but then once i got to know like todd mcfarland's work that's when i it became more comic book specific and i started buying on a monthly basis uh, mostly, you know, those image guys, uh, that, well, this was before they became the image guys, but you know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. So that was my real first experience with, uh, you know, that was the first creator that I recognized by name. So how do you get from, from that to, to, uh, joining up at the, at the Kubert school? Well, that became my entire, my singular focus in life after that. Like <laughs> I was... I was set, like, this is what I'm going to do. I don't want to do anything else. And my dad would be like, oh, you know, why don't you, you can be a doctor. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be a doctor. Because <laughs> my dad is an immigrant. So, you know, it, anyone who's listening comes from an immigrant family. They all want you to be doctors or lawyers. Anything else is like, 
what are you crazy? Like we came to this country so you wouldn't have to do that. Like we came to this country so that my kid could be a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the reason we came here. But I had zero interest in anything else. I just wanted to make comics. Um, I humored them for a little bit. I went to Montclair state university here in Jersey, uh, could not pick a major. So when it kind it came time to decide what you wanted to focus on, I was out of there. I just dropped out and I had known about the Kubert school, but, uh, I didn't know like how far away it was. I just knew it was in New Jersey somewhere. And I looked it up and I started taking night classes there after I dropped out of school. And, uh, one of my instructors was Mike Chen. He's still there actually. And, um, he's the one who kind of convinced me to enroll full time. And that's where, uh, it went from there. I, my parents were not happy, but they were kind of happy that I had a, a, a sort of a plan, a focus, mm -hmm. something that I wanted to do. And they just were, they just gave in at that point. <laughs> I disappointed them so much. They finally just threw their hands up and were like, all right, whatever, go to this school then. We'll see what happens. How did he convince you to do that? And why did he, why did he get, was, was he impressed with your work? I don't know if he was impressed with my artwork as much as, and this is the story of my life. Um, I, I feel like I have a great work ethic and I can learn quickly and I can make adjustments where I know how to, how to improve on things mm -hmm. just generally speaking. So I could take instruction very well and apply it. And I think he saw that I really wanted to get better and I wasn't, I could take criticism. I still can, like nothing bothers me. I'm like, whatever. Right. Um, and I could take criticism and learn from it. Like I don't get offended. Some guys would be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, man. But I'd be like, okay, this guy's the pro, you know, he's the mm -hmm. teacher here. He knows what he's doing. And I would kind of apply his advice and, and I was continually getting better. I don't think I was great but uh, I mean looking back now looking at those things I drew back then they're all terrible but <laughs> are they uh, terrible or is that just you like you don't like it or you think it wasn't up to professional snuff or oh no they're terrible okay but, but everybody was terrible well like, I mean is it terrible like as a, as a result of sort of the time and what art look comic book art looked like then or well no it was just very raw uh -huh. You know, like there was no structure behind it. Like it was learning how to draw from looking at comics. Really? Yeah. Was uh, that the, like the, was, the Kubert school thing? at the school. Yeah, okay. it's not, it wasn't just me. Interesting. So I was thinking like, oh my God, seeing some of these great artists, like I feel like I'm, I'm terrible. Why does this guy want me to come to this school? But then like now, if I look back at other, you know, some of my friends work from back then, there's just as terrible you know, <laughs> because we didn't really have any instruction and you can really see and this is where i'm going to plug the cubert school okay for a moment you have to bear with me for a sec uh the change in everybody from first year to second year is there's such a huge difference it's incredible and i think it's just from being forced to draw so much mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically all you do. It's a full-time school. You're there five days a week, all day. Uh, it's just the change 
even in, in my own work, it got so much better in a year's time. <laughs> I mean, I kind of plateaued after that and other people kept going. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just it, it's amazing. So I don't know if he just saw that that um, I was eager to to get better and improve. Mm-hmm. And um, I finished my stuff early, you know, I, still <laughs> like I'm not I'm not late on deadlines. I'm always uh, either early or on time. Um, and I guess he saw that in me that I kind of had potential, even though I think my work was just awful. (laughs) What kind of stuff did they focus on at that point in terms of like, were you working on, was it like everything? Was it figure drawing? Was it storytelling? Was it? It's uh, everything. Yeah. Everything. Even lettering. That's where I first learned comic book lettering. You're doing hand lettering? Um, yeah, I was doing hand lettering at the school at the time. Um, I think they still teach you how to hand letter first. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while, but I think they do still teach you to hand letter first. Wow. Um, and yeah, digital lettering was becoming a thing at that point. And, uh, Joe was always like, okay, but you have to learn to do it the right way before you learn how to, you know, the computer's a tool, Mm -hmm. but you have to know how lettering works and all the rules and all that. So we had to take a lettering class. You had to take figure drawing. Um, back then, we used to do like a paste ups and mechanicals where you <laughs> <laughs> cut stuff out with a exacto uh, knife and you paste it with rubber cement and put things together. Like, um, t- man, it was old fashioned then. It's so. <laughs> it made it made original art so much better though. Yeah, like I've got pages from the like the mid to late nineties, and they're just so much better than what I get now. Yes, <laughs> for sure. But we learned all that stuff first year. Um, and it's it's intense, man. Let me tell you, Qbert school is no joke. Did it you know, really intense. like, like, were you overwhelmed? You did not. Did you know it would be like sort of that, in, you know, that much about comics that you had never thought of? Uh, I think it was just the workload mm-hmm. that was overwhelming. I mean, I knew I had a lot to learn, but everybody was in the same boat, you know, um, the critiques were just brutal. You would have to draw a comic book page and put it up on the board and everybody's would be all lined up and the instructor would just go down the line and just tell you everything that's awful about your page <laughs> just in front of everybody. <laughs> and it's excruciating. And I can take criticism very well, Yeah. but I would say if I had to guess about 40% of the students went home at Christmas break and never came back. Jeez. Yeah. Do you think that was like, I, this is totally speculating on your part, but like, do you, do you think like that was like, this is what it's like to be a professional and you have to be able to take it or it's just, you know, they were really, totally. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's by design. I mm-hmm. think they do that to you on purpose. Seems like a bad business move. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they only want people there who are serious. Mm-hmm. And if you're stubborn and think that your way like who's gonna tell joe kubert that no you're wrong old man i'm doing it the right way like if that's your attitude then i think they want you to leave so (laughs) they're really it it's it's brutal but it's great at the same time because it forces you to get better there's no resting on your laurels even if you have like a pretty good page there's something wrong with it Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing they point out, and it's in front of the entire group, and there's nowhere to hide. 
What's a what's a like a storytelling thing that you that you got from one of those that you still notice and think about a lot? Uh, like a lesson, like a storytelling. I'm just like like lesson? a thing that somebody pointed out on the board with, and you see it in work. People showed you know the, in, that you're lettering all the time or stuff that you've drawn. Like there's a there's a thing there that I, I always think there's a couple of like like left hand panel stacking drives me insane. I don't yeah. like it. And I see it all the time. And I'm like, why do these people not know this? Oh, yeah. And that's one of that was one of Joe Kubert's things. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is wrong. Don't ever do this. Yeah. No, but what if I find a way? No, don't ever do that. <laughs> no, but what if I can find a way to make it? No, you can't. Don't do it. <laughs> and, and now you're the guy who gets stuck with fixing that, really. <laughs> yeah, I have to guide people's eyes the right way to make sure that they're not going over to the, to the right first mm-hmm. before they go down. And I always think of Joe every time I have to do that. Every <laughs> single time, without fail, I think of Joe Kubert looking at a page and just shaking his head in disappointment. <laughs> and so you actually were, were working directly with Joe Kubert a lot at that point? Uh, Enough that you remember it. By third year, you have Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joe is like the, the guy. He's mm-hmm. like the third year. If you made it to third year at the Kubert School – okay, now you get to learn directly from the master, you know? Uh, so I did work with him quite a bit in my third year. In the beginning, he was like this mythological <laughs> creature that kind of roamed the hallways and every once in a while would peek in and you would sit up at attention and then he would walk away and you can just slouch again and <laughs> you know, go back to just doing whatever you're doing that wasn't your assignment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, third year, you get to learn directly from Joe. And I really took advantage of that. Like that was something that was an opportunity that now keep in mind, I dropped out of college and I was a great high school student. Mm-hmm. Like I was a straight A student. Really? Did very well. I could have gone to a better school than I went to. Not that there's anything wrong with Montclair State University. I don't want them to think that. I understand. It's a great school. Um, and I ended up dropping out and going all in on a comic book career. So I was like, this is the only thing that I can do. And I can't fail at this. Mm-hmm. So I would talk to Joe every chance that I got. I would, it would be time for us to, uh, you know, he would, beginning of class, he goes up to the board, he would show us something. And then we would sit at our own drafting tables and work on our assignments. I would always go to Joe's desk and ask him questions, um, show him some stuff I was doing in other classes ask him how I can make it better. Um, oh, God bless him. My, my work was so bad. <laughs> uh, not my storytelling. My storytelling, and I think this is where the writing part comes in. Right. I think my storytelling was actually really good. But my draftsmanship, my anatomy is just god-awful. Um, I have so many old assignments that have Joe Kubert art drawn directly over my work. <laughs> he would just take a pen... <laughs> And take my page of pencils and just draw directly on it. Like, whatever. Don't get too attached to this piece, kid. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to you're gonna draw thousands of pages in your life if you're going to do this for a living. So don't get too attached to this. I'm just going to doodle right on it. I am going to move on from the school, but I do find this fascinating. Uh, but it's, it's just like, did you know who Joe Kubert was at the time? Because I don't think that I understood I'd, I'd known his name but it wasn't until later you know i'd been in, in comics for a, a while and sort of had been studying that i was like oh he's he's a big deal like did you thought of him like that from the beginning or were you in school when you realized that 
Not really in the beginning, not when I was trying to get into the school, because mm-hmm. you do have to apply and, you know, there's a whole um, selection process. Like you're not just automatically in if you yeah. if you apply to get in. Um, so then you got to meet Joe when you go in for your interview. Huh. I didn't interview with Joe, but I got to meet him. And it's like, OK, this old dude runs a school, whatever. Um, you just know that he's the, the guy in charge. Sure. So there's the respect factor comes from that. But then when you realize when you're taking the classes and all these, all your instructors basically learned from Joe and they're showing you old stuff that he did, all these old Hawkman things. And mm-hmm. you walk the hallways every day and there's framed original Hawkman art and all this stuff. And it kind of like starts to, to hit you a little bit like this guy really is a big deal <laughs> you know <laughs> he would get all these people from dc and marvel to come speak to the school and they would all talk about what a legend joe is and you're like holy cow this guy he's really something and they do kind of build up the legend a little bit because you don't sure. get to learn from him until third year so it's like you're training to be good enough to get time with joe you know <laughs> which is kind of cool but that is really what built it up. And like, honestly, I did butt heads with Joe a couple of times in third year where we had some disagreements and I would be like, ah, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This old man, whatever. <laughs> and just in the years since, like just in my experience working in the business, you learn like, oh man, Joe was totally right about that. And I was like, he has no idea what he's talking about. He ended up being right about this. He ended up being right about that. He was right about everything. He huh. knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and I was a stupid kid who thought, like, maybe I knew better. Well, we all were. And, yeah. And th- he was right about everything. And I just now, at my age, I have so much more respect for him than I did then. And I wish that I knew then what I know now. Well, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, as everybody does. But I don't know. I think it, maybe I would have appreciated the one-on-one time. A little more like uh-huh. I knew what I was getting. I was getting really valuable instruction, but I took everything with a grain of salt, too, because I'm like, well, you know, this guy's kind of old, you know? <laughs> well, you know, in that respect, in that respect, though, like, is he I mean, I mean, like a lot of stuff that he taught, you know, he's, he's working in, in, in the, you know, say the Silver Age generously. And, and you'd think comics have changed a lot since then. But right. There's I guess there's some universal truths that just sort of are still valid today. Oh, sure. I yeah. mean, especially with storytelling. And mm-hmm. like we said, the, the panel stacking on the left side. Yeah. Like, just things like that. And, you know, I came up into comics looking at the image guys. Yeah. So I was coming from a totally different place. He was, I was coming from like a really graphic, um, I guess like an in-your-face, splashy, mm-hmm. extreme kind of thing. And he was he was teaching us the fundamentals, you know? Right. And that's when you learn that stuff that he was trying to teach us, that's when you actually get good. You know, you take that cool stuff that you wanted to do and then you add some bones to it, you know, and the thing can stand up, (laughs) you know? And he was giving us the bones to, to prop it up. And that was kind of like the disconnect at the time Mm -hmm. where I just thought like, for example, I'll give you a quick example. When I wanted to intern at Marvel, uh, Marvel came to a school they were looking for, and this will this might segue into how I got it into working 
That's where I was going next. Well, there you go. See, Marvel came to the Kubert School looking for interns because they were going to start doing in-house lettering. Uh, And my lettering instructor, Hi Eisman, who still draws the Popeye comic strip, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he's 92, something like that. Uh, Awesome guy. He, without me knowing, recommended me to Marvel for the lettering internship. I had no idea that I was a pretty good letterer. This is news (laughs) to me. I just, whatever. I just sat in class and did my assignments. So he recommended me to Marvel for the internship. And I interviewed with them and I got it. So for the summer, it was a summer internship. Uh, great experience. And we could talk about that right after I'm done with this story. But then hmm. uh, Marvel wanted me to stay on in the fall. And uh, this was uh, between second and third year. I think, yeah, between second and third year. This, that summer is when I did my internship. And Marvel actually wanted me to stay and be a fall intern also. And I went to Joe and I asked if I could do that because it would require me to, you know, obviously I would have to miss some class time. So I went to talk to Joe about it and he's like, absolutely not. I'm like, what, what do you mean, Joe? Like, this is, that's where I want to work. Like, that's the only place where I want to work. And they actually want me. What do you mean? No. He's like, no, why would, why would you do that? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, why would you go work for them for free? If they want you so bad, they would pay for you to go. I'm like, Joe, it's an internship. He goes, it doesn't matter. They really want you that bad. They would pay you. It's like, you're not going to miss class time for that. I was like, what? And I was just, I was devastated. I was cursing Joe, you know, not to his face, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's scary. But <laughs> I was just cursing his name left and right. And like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. I went back to Marvel and like, he won't let me do it. And they were like, oh man, that's too bad. You know, we really wanted to keep you on. And then, um, couple days go by and i hear and that was butting heads with joe and um a couple days go by and marvel calls me and they said listen um you know if you happen to show up like once a week um you know we wouldn't have a problem with that um joe doesn't have to know uh we would pay you ten dollars an hour and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) okay so I was basically, I went from being an intern to being a freelancer because he wouldn't let me work for free. He's so, really, he was really working for you there. He, yeah. And I, and I, at the time I hated him for it. And I'm like, God, <laughs> this guy's always right. You know, like, it just makes me so mad. And yeah, I mean, he, he was right. Like if they really want you, they'll pay you. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. So yeah, I went from being an intern to being a paid intern of sorts. And I was the only paid intern that Marvel had at the time. So what were you doing uh, for that? I, I was lettering. Okay. just I was, just... I, I was lettering real books. I was lettering um, some pages of Uncanny X-Men. Um, I was lettering some of the issues of Slingers. Do you remember that Spider-Man yeah. spinoff, The Slingers? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I was lettering some of that. Like, I was doing real work. How how long was, like, when you got there to be an intern, you know, and they were, you know, you thought, you know, I don't know what you thought you'd be doing, but before you were there and then you're actually working on real stuff, how long did that go? Um, You mean, it was immediate. Like, my first day of my Marvel internship, they handed me an artboard and some pens and some ink, and they said, here, letter some sound effects. I'm like, okay. 
So I was doing it by hand. I was lettered some sound effects at a drafting table. At the end of the day, I, I turned it in. Uh, they looked at it. It was Dave Sharp, by the way, who's still, yeah. Um, yeah, he letters a bunch of books now. Um, he was my boss at the time. And he looked at the page and he goes, oh, this is great. This is the last time you're ever going to hand letter for us. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, let me show you, let me show you a computer. <laughs> wow. He's like, well, I just want to make sure you knew how to do it. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, now I'll show you how to do it by computer because, you know, we're not hand lettering anymore. I'm like, oh, all right. And they taught me like the first couple of days and I would sit and watch uh, some of the other guys. I would watch Dave a lot of times as he lettered pages. I would just sit there and watch and ask questions. Uh, and it was just, I mean, a matter of, you know, first couple times that I went in before I started working on actual pages. And at first I had just learned. So it would take me like hours mm -hmm. to letter one page of uncanny X-Men. Um, but yeah, it was, it was instantaneous. I just started working on real books and it was kind of awesome. And at that point you're st there's still like a, a, a bullpen. There's, you know, you're in in-house production and letters. Oh yeah. I was in it's it. Crazy. I worked in the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. We were right outside John Romita's office, which I loved. You really got I to would... spend a lot of time around some legends, didn't you? Oh, God. And took it for granted, totally. Yeah. Now it's like, God, I wish I had a time machine just to go back <laughs> just for just for one day and just relive it. Because like, I was so nervous around mm -hmm. John Romita that I never even spoke to him. It's like now I wish that I could, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was, he was right there. He was right there. His his office had glass walls. Like I could see him from where I was sitting. What was he doing there at the time? Because I tend to think of him as a freelance artist. So I think he was. Uh, he had a title. I think it was art director. Mm -hmm. He might have been like an art director of sorts. Um, Chris Claremont was on staff too at the time. Hmm. That's someone else I was afraid to talk to. Well, I would see him coming down the hall, and I would turn around and go the other way. <laughs> Was this just your natural way, or did you see something in him that thought, I should avoid that person? You might not want to answer that. Uh, I'm just terribly socially awkward, and I'm gonna. I'm always afraid that I'm going to say something stupid, and that's going to be what they remember me by. Yeah. So I just wanted to avoid the situation altogether. <laughs> um, yeah, I did that with uh, Chris Claremont, John Romita, um, Joe Casada, and Jimmy were there at the time. I would see them coming and turn the other way. One time I saw Joe coming, I Joe Casada. I turned around and went the other way. I went into the bathroom. Guess who walked into the bathroom? Was it Joe Casada? Right behind me. Yeah. And I didn't have to go. <laughs> but now you did. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and then I had to. And then in retrospect, you think back and you're like, well, they weren't, not, they weren't that old then. <laughs> they were, they were just... No, no. Joe was very young then. Yeah, I know. Like They were pretty yeah. much just kids. Yeah, yeah. They had just started Marvel Knights. They had their own office that I, when I got out of the elevator, I'd have to walk past it and I would make sure not to make eye contact. So you were really there like from the from the point of like, um, I mean, rock bottom almost in a way to sort of the rebirth of the whole thing. That's sort of where your, your career sort of started and went. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I was, I was there during the bankruptcy. Yeah, Actually, now that I, I think about it, you went to comic book school at the worst possible time <laughs> to do that. Yeah, yeah. Marvel went bankrupt. Um, Time Warner bought DC when I was at school. 
So yeah. and everyone was like, "Oh my god, AOL just bought DC Comics." <laughs> <laughs> like America Online, <laughs> and where are they now? Yeah. So you you start doing the lettering, and and I, does how does does that just become sort of your career from there? Basically, yeah. And I never planned for it, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Between second and third year, I knew I wasn't going to be an artist for okay. a living. I, I it wasn't going to happen. It would take me way too long to draw a decent page. I mean, I got better. I wasn't as terrible as I as I said before. Like, I I got better and better. Um, I definitely wasn't nearly one of the best in my class, but I was getting better and better. But I just knew that it just wasn't going to happen. Like, there was no way I could make a living with page rate. <laughs> you know, if I can only draw one page every three or four days, like it wasn't going to happen. So that had had more to do with with quickness than sort of your ability to to sort of do the work, though. Well, both. It okay. was really hard for me to draw something good. Mm-hmm. Like my uh, my buddy Dennis Bud, who he's not working in in um, the business full time now, but he uh, he was in my class. He was I, he's my co creator on um, my self published book Model Operandi. He's the artist on it. Okay. Uh, he's just like, even to this day, like one of the most naturally talented, like I hate him. He, he used to lay out his pages with ballpoint pen and it would be perfect the first time. He would just lay out the page and I'm like, what, what? My paper had all these eraser marks all over it and you could see like where I drew an arm like four or five times and had to erase it. Like the paper was like indented with it. And he could just go in like so I really struggled to draw something good. Like it was very difficult for me. So it took me a really long time to get something I was happy with. And I knew that I had to focus on other things. So I really got into inking in my third year. Um, lettering because of the lettering internship. I started focusing a lot more on lettering. Um, I would letter my assignments. Um you know, I wouldn't just um, I wouldn't just draw my pages and turn them in. I would do everything. I would like oh, do wow. the lettering and everything. Yeah, uh, I really focused on learning the business, everything about the business, not just not just penciling. Um, I really thought I could have been an inker. I probably could have. Um, I don't know. I was just trying to do it. even writing. Like I, we had a writing instructor at the time. I don't think the Kubert School has. A writing class now uh, but they used to call it oh god what did they call it it was basically a writing class but it wasn't really it, it was it was sold to us as like learning how to break down a script as an mm-hmm. artist um, but it was really a writing class we would have to write our own pages and all that um, and our instructor, Joe Edkin, was a writer. He wrote a bunch of Scooby-Doo comics back then. That's what he was doing. Um, so I would spend a lot of time actually with Joe Edkin, too. And I would ask him lots of questions about writing. And for our assignments, we used to have to write like just three pages and then draw them. And I would actually write a full 20-page script and then choose three pages to draw. <laughs> So I was like really going all in to try to get good mm-hmm. at, at anything I could possibly get good at that had to do with comics. Like I said, I went all in. Like I had no backup plan. This is right. 
And uh, that's so that's where my my focus was. It would if lettering was what got me into the Marvel office. That's what I was going to do then. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan on having a freelance career after that, um, but it got me into the building. So, of course, I wanted to be the best possible letterer I could be while I was there, because that's just being there was like the coolest thing in the world. So if that got me in, I had to make sure that I was good enough to stay there. <laughs> and how did that turn into sort of like, like at what point you're like, I'm, you know, my, my main thing in comics is to be a letterer now. And, and, and did it feel like you were, I don't know, did it feel like you were doing what you wanted? Did you, did you, did you, did you really end up enjoying lettering or? I just wanted to be there. Uh-huh. I, that That's all. I just wanted to work for Marvel Comics. That was my only goal like that's all i ever wanted and that's the only thing i wanted um you know obviously i wanted to be an artist and that didn't pan out or whatever but then i like i said once i realized i wasn't going to be an artist like i realized that i just wanted to make comics like i I, yeah the art part wasn't really that important to me really i just wanted to make comics i loved making comics i loved making comics more than i liked reading them which is still true now uh i love making comics and i'm like oh yeah i'll I'll read them once in a while if i have time but i just really love to make them like it there's nothing like it so that was really my whole thing like i didn't really care so i just wanted to make comics and i wanted to be in that building making comics i just wanted to be in that environment so then what Uh, happened when they moved everybody out of house yeah well (laughs) i actually left before that because i was getting married and they offered me a full-time position that would barely pay for my commute from Jersey. So (laughs) I couldn't work there and it broke my heart because like no amount that I, the amount of money I needed to make, um, they weren't giving to me. And so I actually left and I was, the plan was to go freelance somehow. I was going to try to get freelance work out of them. Uh, so I left I went to work for my dad's construction business, um, and I think it took a short four to five years before I got a freelance job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and that's where our our friend Chris Eliopoulos comes into the picture. Well, I was going to – so I assume you knew him from the bullpen time. I didn't, actually. Oh, wow. No, he – they would always talk about him, Mm -hmm. and I knew who he was because I was a huge – savage dragon fan right i was a big time eric larson fan so i knew who chris was uh, for people who may not know he used to draw the the strip in the back of the book I and mean, he lettered savage dragon but then he he drew uh the desperate times comic strip in the back of yeah. every issue of savage dragon which was collected into a trade so i knew who chris was i was a fan of chris uh so i heard about him um but then uh i was not working for Marvel anymore. I was working in construction and me and my buddy Dennis, we really wanted to figure out a way to get to, to break into comics. I had to break into comics again. So we were self publishing a book, uh, that just the two of us did everything on. Um, and then we were selling, we did a print on demand run very short, limited. It was like 200 copies, whatever. And we were going to all these small conventions in Jersey just trying to sell whatever we could, trying to get the book in as many hands as possible. Um, and we met 
someone. His name's Buddy Scalera. Do you know Buddy? I don't know him. I know of him. I, I, oh, okay. I maybe have he met runs, him. Yeah, he currently runs the the comic book school where he does. Um, you know what? Yeah, I did actually work with him at one point when I was at another job a while back. Yeah, I actually. Uh, okay. Yeah, he worked for Wizard Magazine, and yep. he does all these panels where he teaches people how to make comics. Um, we met him at a small convention, and um, we just got to know him. He gave us his business card or whatever, and I kept in touch with him. Um, and he was self-publishing books at the time, too. And he actually ended up hiring me and Dennis to do some work on his self-published book. Hmm. Um, and it was through Buddy that I met Chris, uh, they're, they're friends. So, you know, buddy's like, Oh, do you know, Chris Heliopoulos? I'm like, no, I've heard of him. You know, I'm a fan of his, but I've never met him. And he introduced the two of us. And basically I heard that from buddy that Chris was looking for another letterer because at this time, like you said, all the lettering went out of house for Marvel and Chris was doing, he was doing it all like his company was doing it all. Mm -hmm. So I heard that he needed a letterer from buddy and I was begging Chris for a job for the longest, for months I would beg him for a job and he'd be like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he, he spoke with the guy I used to work for, uh, I mean, I worked for Dave Sharp at Marvel, but his boss was Dan Carr, who's still at Marvel now. He's a VP of something or other. Uh, <laughs> I don't know his full title, but he was basically running the bullpen. He had known Chris for years. Um, so I guess maybe Chris had mentioned that I was begging him for a job. And thank God for Dan Carr. <laughs> he told Chris, you have to hire him. Like he just spoke highly of me, like my work ethic. I was always there. I was always eager to learn. I worked through my lunch break when I was at Marvel. Mm -hmm. Like he just did a sell job on Chris that worked. And out of the blue, Chris called me and asked me to go out to lunch. And I went with him and he hired me. That's great. So it was years after I had been out of Marvel. Years. You do have some stick-to-itiveness, Joe. I do. It's my only good quality. <laughs> it's definitely the case. And then, so, so, I guess you were self-publishing in between there, uh, and and you you've talked about sort of you, you liked writing and you wanted to do that, but you know you have done you've done quite a bit of comic book writing as well, in addition to lettering that I think maybe people don't know as much about. You know, like it, sure now when well yeah that's what I mean like so you know once you got in sort of doing lettering did you like become a full-time letterer fairly quickly after that oh after, yeah with chris yeah. it was just I, I was still i was working for chris and i was working construction uh-huh. so i would whenever just so i know me, when you say working construction like you were out in the cold with tools no okay please, I didn't, my, I've, my, my dad owned the company okay <laughs> i i know I, I didn't know how he hooked you up in that way and i didn't mean to presume <laughs> No, no, no. I was, I was doing mostly, um, estimating, you know, I would, uh-huh. I would give, um, estimates for, for jobs and stuff and basically drive around. I spent most of my time in a car driving around, trying to get work, uh, giving estimates for work, uh, checking up on the employees to make sure they didn't cut out early, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I was the boss's son, basically. The boss. That was my job. Crap, the boss's son is here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so being the boss's son, I had the luxury of being able to leave and go home whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was working for Chris. I would just go back and forth. I would go back home. And, uh, you know, Chris is awesome. Um, cause I was so nervous because I didn't think I'd be able to, I was very nervous about freelancing. I thought I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. You know, I had, uh, my daughter was just born at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a house, so I had a mortgage and I was scared to death that I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. And, you know, Chris is, Chris is the best. He's like, look, quit your construction job. I'll make sure that you never go a day without work. Trust me. And you know what? It's been what, 12, 13 years. And he's made sure that I've had enough work for the past 12, 13 years. That's kind of an amazing sort of guarantee to, to make in comics. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And he continues to look out for me to this day. So he is the best. He is the, the, the best guy you could ever meet. Yeah, he's a very um, he's a very good man. I agree with this. Yeah. So if not for him, I might still be doing construction part time. So, <laughs> so that that's that's lettering, and that takes up, I'm guessing, a lot of your day at this this yeah. point. You know, like, is it? Are you? Do you basically work like, like you know, regular hours, or do you you have to put in a lot more still? Or oh, I was working my butt off. I know for a while, but I know that now you know you've got kids. You've been doing it for a while. You're. You know, do it like, how do you set it up so that you're not, because everybody has that thing with comics where they're like, you work all the time. You could never stop. Uh, yeah. If you, have you got a system worked out or, or you're just going to wear yourself to a nub? Uh, no, I think I've reached a, a pretty good point in my career where I have no problem making people wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, I need this right away. I'm like, yeah, you'll get it tomorrow. Like, oh, but I, you'll get it tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like too bad. Like I have kids that I need to spend time with. Uh, yeah, I, I think at this point I have a reputation for being able to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to set my hair on fire. Don't worry about it. It'll get done. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's a nice there's a nice bit that goes along with that kind of confidence where you know I I, I think that's that's a good thing to finally earn for yourself. Yeah, like I haven't pulled an all nighter in years now, and I won't. I won't do it. Right? <laughs> like I'm just not doing that anymore. Sorry. Yeah, because it really hurt the next day. Um, yeah. So as that's Especially going on, at this then, age, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like at what point are you like? I want to make. I also want to go ahead and start focusing on on writing my own stories and creating my own comics because you've done work for hire stuff. You've done um, creator own stuff. You've you you kickstarted the Wyatt Earp story, right? Is that that's, that's I did, that's yes. right. Yeah. It's available on Comicsology. Yeah. So, like, when did that come about? Where you could carve out a niche to do that kind of thing? Uh, writing in general? Yeah, just making other comics, like outside of sort of the lettering full time gig. Uh, well, I, or did you never stop? I started out. Yeah, like I started out self publishing. Like I always wanted to make my own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how I met Chris is because I decided to self-publish a book. So uh, I always wanted to do it, even when I was working for Chris. Uh, but he made it clear that, you know, if I was going to work for him, that I had to work for him. I couldn't just use that as a stepping stone and just as soon as I was able to get a foot in the door, just leave him. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, it was a slow go, but I was um, I was pitching stuff. Right. It sounds a little like the mafia, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> No, no, not at all, not at all. No, he's right. You know what? He he made a guarantee that he would take care of me. And he's like, you know, don't – basically, just don't screw me over. Like, I'm really going out on a limb here and making this guarantee that you're going to be able to pay your bills doing this full time. You know, just please, you know, don't, like, leave me in a lurch. He yeah. needs you to – he needs to so, depend on you, too. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I – and still, to this day, I, I – Chris is always – you know, the work I do for him is always my top priority, no matter what else I have going on. Even when he tells me not to make it so, mm-hmm. uh, that's how it is. But uh, I would, as soon as I started getting to know Marvel editors, I would just start pitching stuff, just constantly pitching stuff. Uh, never worked. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was pitching stuff for a couple of years. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I think maybe because once. Uh, actually, Chris would probably be like, no, I definitely know what it is. Uh, it's, they, in this industry, they like to put you in a box. Yeah. And once they know you as a letterer, like you're a letterer. Yeah. And that's what you are. And, uh, you know, we need you to letter stuff. And if we give you other things to do, you're not going to be lettering stuff. Right. Um, and we need you to letter stuff, which is understandable, but at the same time, the editors also should understand that I'm not only working for them. I'm always doing other stuff for other yeah. people. And yet I still get their work done. You know, like I work for many editors all at the same time and everyone gets the work that they need for me. So mm-hmm. it's not something they need to worry about, but I guess it's natural that that's what happens. Um, it could have been that I just wasn't good. I, that's, that's very possible. I was very new, you know, I wasn't, now I've been doing it for a long time, but I hadn't been writing a lot of comics at that point when I was pitching stories. I really didn't have any resume to speak of. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the other the other thing. Uh, I didn't really have a track record. So when did you start to get a track record? I I know you you know you're you're doing uh, you know um, licensed books fairly regularly. Then you know how how that how'd you get to that point? Uh, let's see. Well, my, the first writing gig I got was from Marvel was because another writer didn't turn in a script when they were supposed to, and they needed a script over the weekend. And I had been pitching stuff to Nate Cosby, like uh, almost on a weekly basis. And he would just be like, yeah, hey, thanks. Yeah. And never hired me. And then this one time, this one magical time, <laughs> I was lettering a book for Nate late on a Friday night, and he realized he wasn't getting a script from another guy, and he just happened to ask me, he's like, hey, you pitch me stuff all the time. Can you write a Fantastic Four story by Monday? I really need it. And I said yes, thinking <laughs> like, in my head, I was like, God, no. I, how am I supposed to write a Fantastic Four story by Monday? I've never done this before. And I did it because I had to. And Nate started giving me work after that because uh, Nate was doing the all ages stuff. And uh, that's just how it started. So I started writing all ages stories here and there. And that's kind of how I built up a resume for doing it. And I guess it really took off when um, the Marvel animated series started on Disney, mm-hmm. uh, Disney XD, like the ultimate Spider-Man and all that. Mm-hmm. I started writing 
I was writing uh, stories for the Ultimate Spider-Man series. They were short stories, like 10-pagers. And then they were switching over to do those screen grab books. I don't know if you've seen those. Do you remember those? I think I I I have a couple here. Yeah, they were taking frames from the animated series, and they wanted to just use that that art because they wanted it to be on-brand, on-model, exact to what they were showing on Disney Channel. So they wanted to take, they wanted someone who knew how to do everything. And this is where my Qbert school training came in because mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew how to do everything. You know, I, I was designing recap pages and stuff for Marvel. So they knew that I knew the technical part of being able to take the frames from the animated series and turn it into what I, you know, design it in a way to turn it into a comic book page. Oh, wow. Uh, they knew that I was trained to be a penciler at the Qbert school. So my storytelling, I could select the proper frames so that the storytelling made sense in a comic book way. Um, obviously I knew how to letter comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point I'd been writing all ages books for them. So they trusted me enough to be able to take an episode and adapt it into a comic book. Um, and so I was like the guy who knew how to do everything. Mm-hmm. So they just hired me to do that. And I get over time, I started to kind of make those books my own in a way mm-hmm. uh, where I, a lot of stuff has to be cut out when you're taking a 22 minute episode and you're turning it into a 20 page comic book. It's kind of uh, funny because it, like, it, it sounds like, oh, yeah, that makes sense to do that. But it really is a whole di- different way of doing things. Like you've got to kind of invent that really. Yeah, you go from the animated series, which dealt with telling a story in a certain amount of time and adapting it into something where you're telling a story in a certain amount of space. Mm-hmm. And you lose a lot of story in doing that. So I had to get really creative to find ways to uh, – to tell the entire story in one issue. So I would start the, I would start the comic book like in the middle of the episode sometimes, Mm -hmm. or, um, I would just get creative with it. Like telling stories in like flashback, adding a voiceover narration that didn't exist in the series. Um, and the great thing is that, I guess because it's an all ages book that was a screen grab book, mm-hmm. it kind of flew under the radar at Marvel and no one really <laughs> told me to stop doing that. And I was really chopping up these episodes where they were so different from the, from what aired on TV. And, um, I started getting like these really complimentary emails from the people who worked on the animated series <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, I love what you did with that. That's great. That was really creative. You know, that was a great way to be able to fit everything in. And uh, I really built up a really long resume with those books because they saw the good job I was doing. And they on the Spider-Man one. So they added an Avengers series and I was doing that, too. And then they added the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was doing that, too. I was doing those three books monthly. So then you look at my body of work. And like I wrote 36 issues of all ages books in a year. Wow. So yeah, like I was really, and I was getting better as a writer because I, I was forced to uh, not only dissect these, these episodes, mm-hmm. 
but to adapt them in a way, in a different, you know, present them in a different way. And I was doing a lot of, um, like if you read the comic book compared to watching the episode, hardly any of the dialogue matches up. Mm-hmm. I had to basically recap um, what was happening in the dialogue right. because I had to cut full scenes out and I had to make sure that the audience wasn't missing important information that was taking place in those scenes I had to cut. So I was rewriting all of the dialogue. It's all like original stuff, <laughs> even though it's an adaptation of an episode. Mm-hmm. So I really learned so much from doing that. Um, that I was able to parlay that into um, working for Disney, like was from it, there. Was it fun doing the screen grab books? Yeah. Oh heck yeah! Yeah. Oh god, I loved it. Oh, that's great. I really loved it. Oh yeah, and people would always like look at me like with sad face, like oh, like <laughs> that's what you're that's what you're doing, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this is great. <laughs> I don't have to think of plots. <laughs> They're already given to me. <laughs> I just have to rewrite all the dialogue. It's fantastic. And I was writing three books a month. Like, who wouldn't take that gig? Yeah, that's cool. Like, I was getting paid full writer rate because mm-hmm. I was basically writing all original material. I wasn't transcribing. Mm-hmm. So it was great. I loved it. That's really cool. That's that's. I don't know if anybody else has that path. No, which, which is one of those things in comics. Like nobody has the same path. I was just going to say, all the people you talk to, I'm sure everyone has a different path. Yeah. <laughs> how they ended up where they, where they got, you know, that's one of the things but that's yeah, really it, interesting. It about all having goes back these... to the Kubert school though, yeah. because I, the only reason I got that job is because I knew how to do everything because I knew I would never make it as a penciler. And I made it a point to really learn how to be as good as I can be in all the other disciplines. Mm-hmm. And it led to me doing those screen b- grab books where the only thing I didn't have to do was draw them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it worked out beautifully. <laughs> you did it. That's great. <laughs> I couldn't have written it any better than that. <laughs> so then you, you, you move along to, to sort of get Disney work from that and those kind of licensed properties and things like that. Were you, were you like a, did you like Disney cartoons and movies? Like, was that a thing for you or was it just oh, the book? Absolutely. Came on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, I'm a Disney super fan. Are you are you like Chris? Are you like like adult Disney World person? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's where I, my wife and I went on our honeymoon and we've been going back every year ever oh, since. Wow. Yeah, sometimes twice. There are we a lot of you in comics. Yeah, there are. <laughs> I don't know if it's um, some kind of uh, mental disorder. <laughs> But yeah, there are a lot of us in comics that love to go to Disney World yeah. repeatedly. I know some Just of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm exactly like Chris in that way. Yeah. And it's funny because of all the work we do at VC for years, we couldn't take vacations at the same time. So we would coordinate our Disney trips so that they wouldn't overlap <laughs> because one of us always had to stay behind <laughs> to pick up the slack from the other. <laughs> But somehow yeah, you made it coordinate. work. Yeah, one time we actually overlapped a couple of days and we we're like, I wonder if we're going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> if we're going to get any complaints about this, that we're both away. Well, you got a laptop. You can always... That's how it works now. Oh, no. No? No, no it doesn't no, work that way. Okay. No, no. I'm, Josh, we already established. I'm not at that point in my career anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. That's it. They can oh, deal with it. <laughs> all right, that's beautiful. So, So... 
like what comes next for you? Like what is it you want to do that you haven't done? Um, I that's a good question. My goals. I, this is a great problem to have. My goals have to keep changing because I keep uh, kind of falling into them backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just wanted to work for Marvel. I ended up in a roundabout way doing that. You know, um, I wanted to write comics. I found a way to do that somehow. I couldn't even tell you. You know, if I, like you said, everyone has a different path. Yeah. If someone else tried to do it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, the way I did it. Um, there's, I, I've written, geez, I mean, I get to write DuckTales. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Like that, I couldn't even believe it when I got hired to do that. Like, it's just incredible. Like I love, I've always loved Disney my whole life mm-hmm. and I was a fan of the original DuckTales. So that just was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, there's another thing that I'm writing now that I can't tell you what it is, but, um, I think I told this story on Twitter where I was at a convention. I was at New York comic-con a couple years ago. Um, and I was there talking about DuckTales and I was meeting some people from another publisher or whatever, and they were having a conversation and I was just happened to be there. And they mentioned this, uh, book that they were, that they were doing. And like an idiot, I came out and they were like, oh, we have to find somebody to write it. And like a stupid moron that I am, I was like, I'll write it. And of course, they looked at me like I was crazy. Um, Like, yeah, okay. And I made it very awkward because it was very clear that they didn't want me to write this. (laughs) (laughs) And I just blurted out, I'll write it because I loved it. Um, And that's what I'm writing right now. (laughs) And it just wasn't that stupid. I don't know how it happens though. Like, yeah. I don't know how it happened. I'm, I feel like the luckiest person and people get mad at me when I say that. Cause they're like, Oh, you work really hard. And yes, I do. I work extremely hard and I've always worked very hard at improving to get to this point. But like, I don't know. I just happen to end up in these situations where I, I just can't explain it. Like, I just feel like I'm like so lucky to be where I am and working on things that I that I get to do. So it's I don't know. I I can't. No one uh, take my advice because I. <laughs> if you ask me how to break into comics, I don't have a real answer for you. But so. I, like I I like that. I mean, it's it's heartening. I've talked to lots and lots of people who work as a career in comics, and it's usually a lot more. Um, uh, uh, anxiety, I guess, about it, and and you, you just see like I did this and it was great, and then this happened, that was great. Like so, what I'm gonna remember, and I'm guessing people who listen to this, you know, like when I see your name in a book, no matter what it is, I'm like, well, that guy's happy. He's happy. Oh, he's doing that. He's he's just he's happy to be in the room, and because of that, the work ethic plus the enthusiasm, you know, it keeps building on itself, and you get to keep doing it. And I think that's I, great. I am in a place where I haven't dreaded having to go to work on a Monday Uh in like over 10 years. I look forward to Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Like I look forward to getting back to work. Like it's so much fun for me. And I'm so like grateful to be here that like, I don't take, I took a lot of stuff for granted when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I don't do any of that anymore. (laughs) Like I just, I'm, very happy where I am. Uh, 
and I'm sure that it's all going to come crashing down. I'm going to be dead before I'm 50 just because you have have to to say that at the end, don't you? (laughs) I have to pay back this debt. (laughs) Yeah. That was a lot like talking to Chris Eliopoulos there. (laughs) (laughs) No, if you were talking to Chris, it would be, none of this would be good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's correct. Also. Um, (laughs) And then there'd be a bunch of R2D2s in the background. But you're an illustrator of, you know, the, the book that's number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Big deal. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm gonna, uh, probably going to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you really got to get to know him, people. Uh, I yeah. think I think that's all I got for you. Is there anything you want to make sure that people check out that they can, they can go look? You don't have a website, as far as I can tell. I looked at it. I, I sort of do, but not really. My website is squareheadentertainment.com. I think I tried to go to it and it didn't like it didn't wouldn't it, work. It might not work anymore. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even care. So People Twitter to find me. <laughs> yeah. Twitter's a good place or uh but there are any any books coming out? DuckTales coming out, Frozen's coming out. There's obviously books you're lettering all the time at a, a frantic pace. Yes, there's a million Marvel books I lettered that are coming out. Um, I do letter the the image series Man Eaters. Okay. Um, for anybody who out there who likes indie books, that's a really uh, fun book. Letter. Yeah. Oh, isn't it a great book? It is. It is. I think it's it's great because it's got you know, it's got a real message to it, but it's not super on the nose about it. It's really creative about going about it, and it's 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 funny and it's fun. Yeah, and the storytelling is really creative too yep. with the ads and all that. Like, I really love it. And I love working with Chelsea. She's fantastic. She's so good. And she asked me to letter that book. And I pulled an Eliopoulos on her and I said, no. And she kept coming back and asking me. And I kept saying, no. And then finally, I'm like, all right, send me the first script. Let me read it. So she sent me the script and I emailed her immediately. I'm like, yes. (laughs) I I assume you lettered Mockingbird. Is that where that comes from? What's that? Did you letter Mockingbird then? Is that where that comes from? I did letter Mockingbird. Yeah. Yes. Which was a very difficult experience, <laughs> but I won't go into that. Okay. But yeah, working with Chelsea's great, and Man Eaters is just phenomenal. If anyone hasn't read it, you have to read yeah. it. It's phenomenal. It's really great, and I'm trying to push it onto my teenage daughter, uh, who I know would love it if she would just give it a chance. But because I'm recommending it, she's going to say she doesn't want it. But <laughs> I keep trying. Um, so I am lettering Man Eaters. I'm writing DuckTales, not monthly. I'm I'm uh, part of the writing team. Mm-hmm. So every like couple of months, you'll see a DuckTales by me. Um, I don't know when you're uploading this, but uh, this week uh, is one of my issues, issue number 18. Um, I'm writing Frozen for Dark Horse. Uh, I wrote the first miniseries that came out um, last year, and the trade just came out last month. Uh, you can find it at your LCS or on Amazon. Uh, the next Frozen series is starting uh, next month, the first week of the month, I think, March 6th or something like that. Cool. Uh, it's uh, Frozen. Uh, I almost gave the working title. What did <laughs> they end up calling it? Reunion Road. Frozen Reunion Road. Yes. Cool. And yes, that is out next month. And I think that's all I'm allowed to say. Well, I'll have to watch you for whatever comes next. Yes, please do. <laughs> and you can you can find The Further Travels of Wide Earp on Comixology. 
which is a real labor of love for me. I loved writing that book. I wish that I had the the time to do more of those, but yeah. I don't. Um, I made I think, no money on that. I think so you worked with my to, friend Doug on that a little bit. I did work with Doug. He is the artist on the third issue. Yeah. Uh, which you can get for a 99 cents on Comixology. That's, that's and the, the artist on the first two issues is Scott Koblish. Oh, wow. From, uh, yeah, Deadpool. Um, God, he's been in the industry a long time, too. So yeah. he's drawn just about everything. Yeah. Great cartoonist. Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Awesome. I really love One of my favorite people to work with. Well, thanks so much. This was this was really fun. I'm glad we found the time to talk, and uh, I, I, know, I know I'll see you around, but uh, thank you. Yes, I hope to see more of you. I don't see you anymore. I know I don't go to shows anymore. No one pays me to. <laughs> I know. we got to find a way to pay you to go to a show. I I'm going to start a GoFundMe. That's what we need to do, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will talk to you later. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. And that is another episode of Talk Explode. I want to thank Joe Catamagna for coming and joining me. That was super fun. They're always fun, but that was also fun in its own way. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com. You can uh, hear our Pick of the Week podcast there. You can hear all the other Talk Explode episodes we've done over the years. Uh, there are other things there as well, as far as I understand. You can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Uh, that is the way that these shows came back, these interview shows. And, of course, I thank the patrons, patrons? patrons for that. Uh, make sure to uh, follow Joe on Twitter.com slash Joe Caramagna. And that is all. Thanks so much. 